Okay, so continuing on with our year five interviews, I'm here with... Jasty. Who plays... <laughs> Adri. And a whole host of other characters, too. Yeah. Actually, what's your most favorite of the other characters? Of the other characters? I think Sunset. I okay. think my my uh, kind of sociopathic wizard is, is fun. I like it a lot. D did you listen to the uh, most recent Kitten episodes where it's basically I... a giant smear on Sunset for four episodes? <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, no, Matt, Matt told me I've... I am a horrible participant of this podcast in that I have not listened to that one yet, but <laughs> yeah, you, should, you, you, should, you should and should not listen to those. It was pretty hilarious. The, uh, yeah, the, maybe maybe I'm being spared. Yeah, there was a lot of. <laughs> do we really have to do this? <laughs> Can't we just go back home and call it good? No, I love I love how insufferable Sunset is because like the idea of ever making someone upset or like inconveniencing a person like in my real life would make me like sleepless with guilt yes so yes. Well, i remember the whole so, time you were playing sunset you'd say you know horrible things and then you'd immediately go oh i'm so sorry i said that <laughs> so it's there's kind of something fun about playing a character yeah. that like is obnoxious like that well it, it's fun when you play it like you did because i mean there's there's so many times especially you see it on online on on the various D, &D forums it's like you know the that's what my character would do excuse and you're yeah. like that's what my character would do and i'm so sorry about it Exactly. Like, I'm not doing this because I want to do it. I'm doing it because I'm trying to play the character right. I'm sorry. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was it was pretty hilarious and, and adorable all at the same time. And annoying, which was even more adorable. But there we are. But, like, is a cat not annoying yet oh, yeah. adorable? Oh, yeah. 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 I, I, in fact, my one of my that, that cat we just saw a few minutes ago followed me into the bathroom the other minute and was constantly had his claws on my knees going, pet me, pet me. No, you stop petting me. Pet me some more. Pet me some more. Yeah. It's like and then the if you do it wrong, they'll like suddenly turn into a bear trap. Yes, definitely. But anyways, enough about that fantasy. Let's talk about the other fantasy, that being uh, that of, of Adri. So um, six years ago, you all handed me your backstories and um, yours was even a little bit more fun. And I don't think a lot of times the listeners, I mean, I think they've kind of heard about this, but I don't know if they've totally heard about this. But um, you came to me and wanted to do a half drow character. And, you know, back then there was no such thing as a half drow character. The, yeah, uh, which was hilarious. And because that was my first ever D&D character was Adri. Yes. So like and I knew nothing about like any of the lore, like the idea of a half drow that being insane it, for most D&D campaigns. And I had no idea. So well, when it just I made depends it, I was like, that campaigns. just seems. Yeah. Yeah. That just seems like the goth elf. I'll do that one. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, as as with just about all the non-standard characters, um, I hadn't planned on putting the drow into the uh, into the story, but it's like, okay, well, now I'm going to put the drow into the story. And uh, kind of the same thing with the dragonborn and same, same thing with the tieflings. And um, so we, we actually had to sit down, you and I, and kind of hash out how a half drow would work mechanically. And yeah. uh, we, we picked a couple of things. And basically, I kind of said, well, you can have some of the drow special things, but not all of them, because... You know, it would be more than a regular character would get, especially especially a, a half race one that would be uh, would just get some of the items of, of their parentage. And yeah. So, so we, and I, yeah. I think when we talked about that, too, like part of the reason you let me have like some of the, the bonuses was almost like a mercy because my stats were garbage <laughs> when I started. So, I mean, these all kind of are for the level that we're at, but like my stats were not so great. So I think you were like, 
yeah, you you can do dancing lights. That's fine. Yeah, I think it would have given it to you either way. But uh, yeah, so okay. it kind of made it fun because each of the each of the races gets little little bonus things attached to it. Yeah. So, and then the humans just get a bon a you know bonus on their uh, stats to make up for the fact they don't have any any fun toys to play with. Yeah. So. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so that was kind of interesting because, of course, to the rest of the party, you were just another half elf because you were in disguise. And that led to a whole bunch of fun things for about the first one quarter or third of the entire adventure. And uh, yeah, and we'll, we'll we'll get into that a little bit more, too. But, uh, yeah, we originally we uh, um, determined that you're going to basically clothe yourself in, uh, you know, very wrapped up clothes and makeup so that it you know people couldn't figure out that you were a drow so that was mm -hmm. that was a lot of fun and and you admit though that um you didn't really know the drow backstory so you didn't realize how difficult that was going to be going forward uh, which actually yeah. kind of made it even more delicious yeah yeah like i thought um like i understood that they wouldn't really be like well known or they'd be like that's that's a freaky person but I didn't know that they were like that evil. Like there was so much tension between like the surface elves and the drow. I had I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah, and once again, it just depends on the the uh, campaign you're in. I mean, you know, you right. could also that's, be in like a high magic, very cosmopolitan campaign where you go into a, a tavern and you know there's a drow sitting along with a uh, you know a, a kobold and a uh, asimar and you know actually this is beginning to become a joke that writes itself. But, uh, you know, just you could have all those that, you know, dwarf all at the same table, all chatting along. Um, or you could have one that, uh, you know, goes along more traditional storylines from the, the previous editions and things like that, kind of like we did. Yeah. But anyway, so um, you uh, created Adri and you also decided to have the second monk in the party. And uh, now now five years later, um, was that a good choice or would you rather done something different or would would you rather have maybe Matt have done something different. So there wasn't two monks in the party. No, I think, I mean, maybe at the very, very beginning, like before our subclass stuff started happening, I like at the beginning, it was a little bit like, Oh, we do the exact same thing on our turns. Um, and so more than anything, it wasn't like, I wish I picked a different character. I wish Matt picked a different character, more just like it, things would get repetitive sometimes. But then when we started getting the fun stuff that comes with our subclasses, we extremely different characters like the, the what i can do versus what he can do are completely different things yeah you, so. you definitely totally started to diverge and, and make uh, definite definite different paths with different abilities that were uh wonderfully yeah. uh wonderfully unique yeah which is also super cool because like that really shows that like a subclass can feel like the same class but still be like completely different plays that you do with it so it's yeah. it's been cool to be able to play a game where like you have two of the same class side by side doing something different yeah, you, you, you like uh, here. Here's our monk trial going on. Here's monk yeah. A and monk B. Which is which? Do you like more? Yeah. So, and and yeah, it's, it's amazing how different the two of them become because you know yeah. Matt is much more of a basically tank. I mean, ba yeah. he just gets in your face and starts punching you, and you're uh, as as the uh, the uh, subclass would want to do are sneaking around the backside, shooting and plinking away, and then coming yeah. in for a, a strike out of nowhere and uh, finishing them off. Yeah, I think if I did do anything differently, though, I'd probably like would have multi-classed sooner, I think. I mean, like I was happy to get the Diamond Soul thing, but like I haven't used it very often. So it kind of feels like, oh, I should have just sub multi-classed earlier. Well, we'll see but, how that goes in the near future. Too. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, but anyways, uh, so you started out and you were at um, the monastery. And actually, this pro- uh, proposed a, a bit of a two-forked conundrum for me. For On one side, um, I knew what Matt's reason for leaving was going to be, that he was basically getting kicked out because he was just too weird, even for them. And um, But then with your character, it's like, okay, well... Why would Adri be leaving the monastery? I mean, you know, and, and it could have been just simple narrative that, uh, you know, the uh, monks, when they get done with their training, are sent out about the world and then come back to us in six months or something like that. Um, or it could have been, you know, something else. And in this case, we had a mysterious elf show up and basically, you know, blackmail you into going out with no one into the world to try to go and fix the problems in the world. And actually, that is a legacy piece from the previous cast that we had. Um, one of the other players had an elf, an elf rogue, and that made real sense that, you know, the rogue got themselves in trouble. And as, you know, part of being released is like, okay, you're, you're kicked out of fairy go fix this problem that we left in the other world and then come back to us and maybe we'll, you know, commute your sentence at that point in time. Um, anyway, so I still have the elf hanging fire basically and, but no rogue to, to assign it to. So you, you were the lucky one that ended up with the elf in your, in your uh, deck of cards there. Oh, so that had nothing to do with me being drow. Well, it did because that's how I got the hook into it. It's like I didn't have the okay, rogue okay, getting right, in trouble, right, but I'm right, like, right. oh, well, I, we got someone who's half drow. And the elf would be like, oh, oh, here's someone I can blackmail into going in helping me out. Gotcha. So, like, he, if it, if you still wanted to include that piece somewhere, regardless of. Yeah, it, it was, it was okay, a convenient cool. hook there. Nice. Uh, so, anyways, the the elf kicks you out of the uh, the monastery, and you and, and no one have to uh, go and uh, leave the monastery. Um, did you know much about Noan's reason for leaving the monastery or was it just the two of you met up in the hallway on the way out of, out of the monastery there? That was kind of my thought. Like we like knew each other as much as, you know, like anybody that you go to school with for years, but mm-hmm. we weren't just like buddies. We were kind of like in the hallway and we are like, what, what are you doing in the hallway? Yeah. And, and your, your secret was kind of an open secret at the monastery. They seem to have taken in a lot of strays and, uh, yeah. You know, first they got the devil boy and then they got the uh, the drow girl and and who knows when there's, you know, maybe some satyrs or something down in the in the lower decks there. But um, but yeah, so they seem to have uh, have welcomed all that wish to study at their at their monastery. Um, but you, you ended up uh, heading off and then you end up going to Lowford and getting put together in a uh, militia. And so you finally got to meet the other members of the group. So you have a dragonborn, and you have a farmer, and you have a paladin. And uh, so what was your original thoughts when, uh, and I realize I'm asking you to go way, way back in the, the Wayback Machine with uh, Mr. Peabody and Sherman. And um, to, uh, you know, got uh, sandwiched together with all this group and, and kicked off into the world to, to go on patrol. What, what was your thought when you finally saw what your party was going to be like? I, I mean, honestly, I didn't know much about any of the character classes so like when it op- i was just like this seems interesting those seem like interesting characters and people and ideas i was like but sorcerer is that different than a wizard like at the time <laughs> i knew nothing about it so i was like why are you why does it like specifically sorcerer like it was mm-hmm. very weird so i mean over time like it was cool to start seeing what each character did 
And like, I felt like I learned the game through seeing what those characters did rather than like reading about it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And that's always the best way really when you get to it. Yeah. Is actually playing the game, even if you know nothing about it. So yeah, I, I don't know. I I didn't really have an opinion at the start because I was just like, "Ah, seems neat. (laughs) Pretty fun. So anyways, you went out and uh, you got involved with a bunch of wolves that nearly killed all of you. Um, and, and then, um, at the time, uh, Alistair, as he was known, was running around and, and told you, it's like, after a couple of you went down in that fight said, you know, come on guys, I only get five hit points a day. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that, that did kind of, um, uh, highlight a problem with healing in the party. And, and that also is an artifact of the, uh, cast change as well, because, um, there was a uh, druid, I think, or something in the first cast that, uh, w- you know, that would have been able to combine with two hybrid healers to to do better than one hybrid healer um and uh then uh you were all named heroes of the town and sent off to waterfall city and as you're standing in line to get in a big airship goes overhead and uh, i I think that was the first time you guys realized that there was going to be some fun things that were not uh, traditional uh fantasy elements that were going to be in in this particular setting Mm -hmm. Um, anyways, you got in there and were told to come back tomorrow and, uh, then got to meet with the, the Baron and the Baroness after a huge battle in the bar where, uh, fungal zombies came pouring out of the, uh, out of the cellar and it turned out your fighters left all their armor and weapons upstairs. Yeah, that, that was, that was pretty funny. Yeah, that was, that was one of those minutes <laughs> where it's like they, they, they announced to me they're doing them like, that's Dungeon Master Gold there. Yeah. And, <laughs> And uh, so anyways, um, Matt threw himself uh, bravely in the way of the onrushing zombies and ended up tanking the floor after a while, uh, just in time for the the fighters to come down and actually save the group, more or less. Um, But And that was the first actual moment that you all realized that something was up because you had fungal zombies. You you were, you know, hacking into them. And I think everybody was like, oh, zombies, we know how to fight zombies. And then, like, they're bleeding. Zombies don't bleed. Yeah. yeah, what, what, what What was the thought when that was happening? I I was just like, okay, what kind of zombie lore are we using here? Like it was, yeah, it was, it was cool. It was very different and like not at all expected. Um, I think like, which goes along with the airship stuff, like that you mentioned earlier, that just seeing that the world is like, I don't know, it's like its own thing. Like it's this perfect combination of like classic stuff, but also just like neat, unique things that make our game its own kind of deal. Mm-hmm, so the yeah. fungal zombies were pretty cool. Yeah. Anyway, so you got uh, involved with those. Were able to meet with the ba- the Baroness at the at, in this case, and then you found yourselves back at the uh, inn again, uh, doing uh, another night there before you're sent off as ambassadors to the next town, and you all got a chance to sit around the table and actually share your histories with each other. Except nobody wanted to share their histories with each other. And I remember when, when I mentioned, I said something along the lines, and you realize you've never really had a chance to sit down and meet each other. And then I kind of did a mental inventory of the backstories everyone gave me, and they were all super secret, dark, and mysterious backstories. And I'm like, <laughs> no one's going to say anything. And, uh, and you know, obviously ones like um, Matt's wasn't like super secret. It just was like, weird so i mean what's yeah gonna, what's he going to talk about and then um other ones like and as a character it wouldn't yeah. make sense for him to just share either yeah. and uh and then you know a lot of it was kind of you know kind of unknown even to him i mean he'd given me his backstory but then 
you know, there was no reason as to why and things like that. So I had to make that up myself. Yeah. Much to, much to his uh, displeasure, but oh well. Um, and uh, anyway, so you have that chance to share and you have the most secret of the secret backstories. Mm-hmm. So what, what was going through your mind then? I was like, I, cause that was before I was really getting like comfortable doing the role playing part of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was just like, I don't know how to do pretend conflict. <laughs> like it, was, it was just like, I was trying to think like, how would I actually react to the situation? And then I was like, but how would in this situation, I don't even understand the situation that deeply because everybody's mad at me and I don't really know why. Um, so yeah, I think more than anything, it was just like, it was weird to, to have to act out something when up to that point, we didn't really have that level of like inner party tension. Mm-hmm. So it was very easy for us to just like roll dice and yes. like move on. But yeah, we had that layer added to it where like we actually had to maybe not like each other a little bit and it, yeah, it made it a little more interesting for me, I think. Yeah, and Drew did finally get everyone to kind of, uh, you know, pop out of their shell and, and at least share some details, even if it was, uh, in some cases, more or less fictitious. Um, but then you went out to go meet or go to the next town and you end up meeting Robin Hood, a guy named Llewellyn, who told you that he was actually like, next in line for the throne and he wanted you to depose his cousin there but before Mm. you got to do that you had an encounter that would basically change um adri's uh, history forever you went after a black dragon whelp yeah (laughs) and then um there was two items that happened in that fight that were uh that you know directly related to adri that uh would bear on the the rest of the future. First, you rolled a nat one on your stealth check. So basically we ruled that you stumbled into the clearing and the black dragon attacked you instead of the dragonborn being able to go talk to it. So great. And um, then you also landed the quote unquote killing blow breaking its nose. And uh, that would come back to to bite you literally uh, later on. Uh, as Snoot would then spend the rest of the first half of the campaign just trying to hunt you down. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but anyway, so you, you were victorious over this poor, helpless, defenseless little whelp. Yeah. And, go and, me. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, but then um, you got to go and get involved with Robin Hood, as I said. And what what, what did uh, what did your initial impression of him? Uh, what was that like at the at the time? Because you, you were sitting there, he's asking you to depose his cousin. And I, I remember there's a, you know, there was kind of a, a tug between everybody. They wanted to help out, but at the same time, they weren't real sure about this guy. Yeah. I mean, he's yeah, I think it was. Forest. Yeah. And like, we had all just met each other too. So it was like this, like, I thought we were just going on like a little militia mission. And now we're like doing coups. Yeah. Is that what we're doing? Yeah. yeah so it was. I don't know I think that was the moment like more than anything I was like oh there's there's drama in this game like it it was so I don't know the stuff like that that you added like the story elements that's when it started becoming more so much more than just like a tabletop game I guess that's like super cheesy but I think you get what I mean and and actually when uh, we first started playing back in the AD&D days, a lot of times it was kind of like basically a tabletop game because, you know, we didn't have to have a story. It'd be like we'd go and, you know, we had the initial, you know, adventure that was published with the basic set. And then we finished that one up and we're like, what do we do now? And, you know, one of the guys went down to the, uh, 
to the game store and and purchased uh you know whatever was appropriate for the level and didn't matter if the storyline had anything to do with the previous storyline it's like okay now we're pirates you know now we're investigating a crashed spaceship you know now now we're going into the tomb of an undead lich and you just you know now we're going against the giants so you know just we would be like okay what's next and you know no continuity storyline or anything like that it was just you know going through the next adventure for the sake of the next adventure so uh, this this is a little bit different beast though, as it, you know, that has one long continuous storyline to it. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, it turned out that Llewellyn was what? Uh, kind of sucked. Yeah, he was. He was uh, yeah. definitely um, just uh, having you on. Uh, he wanted to use you as a piece to uh, in the in the coup that he was doing. That it turns out he wasn't next in line for the throne. He was like twelfth in line to the throne and was going to take out all the people in between. Yeah, when he said next in line, he was like, that's because I'm going to kill him and take his throne. Yep. So I am the next in line on a technicality. Yeah. Technically speaking, by the end of the whole thing, I will be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I, I remember when things started to be a little questionable, once once you were convinced to do it, you would worked your way all the way into the throne room and you went after the Baroness and she was like hiding behind her throne. And I remember you especially was were like quizzical about it. Like it's like, wait, this is supposed to be the big bad person and she's hiding? What? Yeah. And uh that was you know, that was what was what was going through your mind when that was happening? Because I mean, clearly things were beginning to not add up at this point. Yeah, I think at that point you just start like like maybe we shouldn't just trust whatever character we meet. Mm-hmm. Like we shouldn't just follow along with what they say because they offer us money or whatever um like we we like the characters have a real impact on the on the world that we're playing in so that that sort of added that layer of like well now we influence things we don't just like have to like play out a role we also like are actively altering the world and stuff too yeah and that's one of the great things about role-playing games is you have yeah. that ability to do that compared to like you know a video game where it's like you go and kill You're the stuck. dragon yeah. and then the dragon comes back because the next person has to kill the dragon and then the dragon comes right. back the next person has to kill the dragon but no, you're, you actually... you're limited to whatever the, the game is versus yeah. this is there really isn't a limit anyways yeah i, I remember when uh, all was said and done and and uh Llewellyn's grand plan had been revealed that uh Bryce just said oops and I think that's where we actually ended the uh the the episode there uh but then you got uh, basically hustled out of the uh keep and given uh some magic items some presents uh for you know parting gifts and you're out in the rain and the only place you could think that was you know easy to get to that would be shelter was the monastery that Alistair had uh, come from so you you walked all night up there and ended up getting there about midnight and you open up the door and the monks all turn out to be undead creatures um so what, what was what was your thought when that happened and it's like all of a sudden it's like oh we've gone from the frying pan into the fire yeah i mean at that point yeah you just like okay well now there's nowhere safe like we can't just go back to that city because we sort of helped stage a coup probably shouldn't go back there at that point um but then with this it was like okay now we can't even go back to where we came from either so yeah it it added that layer of like okay well now we're kind of forced to stay together as a group and not just go back to low ford and collect whatever our reward was yeah definitely um and uh you 
got fought your way all the way through the monastery uh, got to the flame skull at the end um in the abbot's house took it out then decided to take a nap in the foyer and the flame skull reconstituted and so all of a sudden there's green fire under the door and you all decided okay well let's beat feet out of here went outside and got jumped by shadows and that's when Adri's first little hint of her uh, backstory abilities, her super secret secret came out because you actually used dancing lights to highlight where the shadows were. And uh, when you did that, did you ever think, oh, hey, I'm opening up a, a crack on the armor here and, and uh, you're revealing myself to, to, you know, as being special to everybody else? Yeah, I mean... I kind of, I guess, was hopeful that if I did something useful, it didn't really matter the why. Like, if it was just like, oh, Adrian did a cool thing, and now we're not dead from yeah. things that are trying to kill us that we can't see. So I think I was more hopeful than anything. Yeah, and at the time, I think the only person that caught on that something odd was Drew. Um, mm -hmm. And I think everyone else just zing right over their heads. Yeah. But I think Drew, and um, when I talked to him about it, he said that he, he was trying to figure out, uh, is like, it was their a feat she took or maybe is this a monk special ability that we that uh, i don't know about um so there was uh <laughs> so there was um a little bit of confusion there but i think uh, by and large everybody totally um missed that entirely yeah i think so too <laughs> yeah and um but uh, that would uh, then pop out later on, uh, but we'll get there in a bit. We're jumping ahead. So um, you all um, got um, through the monastery fight, but then two of you got the, both uh, Alistair and, and uh, Gurnville both got uh, mummy rot. So you had to go running back to Waterfall City to get cured before they died. Um, and um, when you got back there, you um, got to after a couple more interesting little uh, adventures in town there, got to go off and see the wizard. Got to meet Galchabar, the either either ultimately powerful or crazy kook in the in the uh, tower there. And what was your feeling when you finally got a chance to meet uh, Galchabar in the tower there? Oh, I was so suspicious. I, I felt so, like, dumb after the Llewellyn thing. I was like, oh, we're not doing this again. So when we met Galchabar, I was just like, he's he's the lich. Like, or, or whatever. I, I mean, at the point that we learned about the, the Lich, I was like, mm -hmm. Galshavar must be the Lich. Um, but even at the time, like before we knew anything about that lair, um, I was just like, this, this, this guy's not going to help us. He's not helping us. And I, yeah, I, Llewellyn ruined my trust of NPCs. <laughs> the, the DM created a deep distrust in you for like, yeah. all, all NPCs. <laughs> well, good. I mean, that was kind of by design. So there we go. Good. Uh, but anyways, um, so uh originally that was hilarious um when when you first met him and he was acting like a crazy kook uh, owen just popped off it's like it's yoda and i'm like <laughs> oh yeah he's acting just like yoda did <laughs> it's like acting like a goofy person but really serious and in, in uh, behind the scenes so uh but yeah it turns out he was really serious and he set you on your way and sent you off to um ubrium concordia to go and see the uh oracle there uh, but you had to get passage to get there, and in doing so, uh, you had to go get the services of a shady uh, pilot there uh, named Dania, and um, you uh, actually ended up uh, 
either you were overheard or maybe somebody that was there sold you out, but uh, they uh, informed the powers that be that you're all trying to go to someplace that is death to go to if you're not one of the royal blood. And so you end up getting chased through the city streets by the guards and barely making it onto the ship, but uh, in doing so got recognized and then you got, got a hard ban from Waterfall City. So did you ever think you're going to be able to make it back to that city? No, I, I definitely didn't. Interesting. I, I don't think now even because we have we haven't gone back yet. Yeah, you, you, you have made it back once. Um, and because uh, you did have to go see Galchabar in person before uh, he took off. But, Why can't I remember what happened when we went back? Yeah. Well, because like a... it was pretty um, anticlimactic because you, you ended up when in Porta Magnum talking to the Baron there and he sent his ambassador over to clear things oh, up. So, that's right. That's tur- right. Turns out you have friends in high places, or at least you did by that time. But yeah, this actually when was... I stopped distrusting the yes. NPCs <laughs> and I was like, okay, they'll actually help. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, this was one of the times I was really amazingly proud of you uh, because you were the only one that actually got the uh, the uh, uh, Easter egg that I dropped with the name of the ship, the, the Mene Annie Aquila. <laughs> and it wasn't until several um, episodes later that or actually many episodes later when you when you're on the mini uh, again that you went, oh, this is the Millennium Falcon. And uh, yeah, the uh, thousand-year eagle. Um, so in you know, the Millennium yeah. Falcon. Uh, and actually, I couldn't do the fa- mini Annie Falcon because Falcon is Falcon in in Latin. Right. Uh, but I I don't know if anybody noticed that her ship was at Docking Bay ninety four, which is the same Docking Bay the Falcon was at in uh, the original Star Wars movie. Oh, that I didn't catch. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, there was a bunch of little Easter eggs dropped in there. But that was pretty great. Yeah. But I was very proud of you for getting that because I was like, you know, it's like sitting out <laughs> well, there. Well, I kept being like, he's like keeps emphasizing the name of the ship. Like, this must be important. He's got to be doing something here. Um, yeah. So it's like, it, does the ship name matter? Why he keeps saying it? And then being the light bulb went on. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, there's been a whole bunch of Easter eggs. I keep hoping you guys will all discover, but... Uh... <laughs> So, but I, that was Eventually. that was one of the biggest ones, so I was really proud you got it. Anyways, but anyways, you got on board with Dania, uh, the uh, disreputable uh, smuggler, and took you out to Ubium Concordia, where you went through a whole bunch of uh, conniptions to go meet the Oracle, and you got to meet the Oracle, and the Oracle gave you a poem with the directions on what to do, and you know the, or- the Oracle was well known for uh, being very um, cryptic in its uh, instructions and you know the fact that the the barons when they met in uh, in conference there would then spend like the rest of the night debating on what the oracle's pronunci- pronouncement would uh, actually mean to them uh, so what was you know what was your thoughts when you got the poem because we turned off the episode turned off the recorder and really wish i hadn't because the whole group of you spent about the next 15 minutes just brainstorming what this poem meant that would have been so great to actually have on uh, on the recording but there we are yeah, I that was that was really fun. That's when I think as a whole group we started getting like just super into the game. Like we were like, okay, now we have like a puzzle. We have a roadmap, even mm. though it's really hard to read. Like we yep. we have a course of events now that we have to do. So yeah, it was it was pretty cool. And you guys were going pretty far afield on where these items might be on the roadmap because I remember someone proposed that oh we're gonna have to go to the elemental plane of fire and. Someone else, I think someone yeah. else had, had you downtown Pittsburgh or something. I don't know. It was all over the place. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, there was there was a bunch of different th- thoughts that we had. There was also like because the, the visions came along with it too, right? It wasn't well, the visions just... came later after you got the first part of the puzzle done and um, found the name of your foe, and then we actually were able to use the the um, the bowl that Galchabar gave you, and instead of showing you That's one right. thing, it showed you seven different pictures. That's right. Yeah. So and and, and granted, part of the um, Part of the poem was that it was supposed to be mysterious and not immediately graspable and you would have to discover pieces and parts. And so the, the next part of the puzzle was the images and that gave you better idea of where to go. Um, but there was still a bunch of those hanging up in the air. Um, was, was there any one in particular that was more mysterious than the rest that you were just totally blanked on? Or maybe there was one that was easier to figure out that you knew right away? I mean... I don't know more. There was just things where I was just like, well, how are we going to get there? Like the castle in the clouds one. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't remember having like strong thoughts on any of them, but I remember with that sort of thing, I was like, well, how, how the heck we're going to get into the clouds that I don't, I don't understand. So yeah, I don't know. I didn't really think too much of it. I was yeah. like, well, that'll be interesting. And, and actually ironically, that first map that you discovered when you met the, the, first queen of or the last queen of the the old kingdom which we're jumping ahead again um they, they actually had on the map all the different places you're going to have to go but you didn't realize it because it had the veil of the pegasus and it had the summer home of the uh yeah of the royals and things like that so they were all there you just didn't know it um but anyways um so you came back out and found the whole of the um area around the oracle just running with undead and you see your airship floating away half of it torn out and a body falls out of the airship to the ground obviously to its death um and uh did did you at the time did you think that that was dania yeah because i'm trying to even remember that moment, <laughs> honestly i tried it that was oh my god that was so long ago yep. yeah i because i'm i'm thinking like i don't remember my actual reaction but i was like did did dania fall off the ship well, actually, a bunch of the a bunch of the people thought it was, in fact, Anya. Yeah. Um, which I mean was quite a legitimate thing because you know the, you've got the uh, ship half torn to bits floating away. But when you went out and took a look, it ended up being just zombie feet sticking out of the ground. Um, and uh, but did you know? Did you think at that point in time that Dania was dead and you'll never see her again? Yeah, I was like, okay, well now we're stuck in yeah. the middle of the desert. That's cool. And and that might have been by design. Um, and, you know, the, the, we had on the map that, you know, had the oases were spaced in just such a way that you could make your way down to the Delta and not quite die almost. Yeah. But uh, um, anyway, so um, you did exactly that. You had to go down oasis to oasis and, and, and uh, make your way down to the Delta to where the old castle, you know, the old capital used to be. And um, on your way down there, uh, you started getting lost and you actually had a tortoise that pulled you in the proper direction and Smedric. yeah Smedric the tortoise and uh, pulled you in the proper direction and, and got you to to various ones um, but then at one point when you got lost you ran into something different you ran into a uh, shack out in the middle of the desert and a man in a turquoise robe and a tiger mask comes out and I remember looking over at Owen and he was just like white as a sheet yeah 
And, uh, and, and I, and I asked him about that later and he said, it wasn't, I mean, it was, it was, you know, obviously very emotionally impactful, but the big thing was, it's like, he didn't think his backstory was the first one to come out, <laughs> but it was just kind of dumb luck because, you know, you, you had to go on this path and he put his backstory right there in the middle of the mare and I'm like, well, yeah. there we go. <laughs> And uh, I remember that there was a fun one there because uh, was it like Fluffy and Mr. Cuddles were the name of his stuffed tigers that he set on you guys. And, and you said, okay, I'm going to go blast Fluffy and Mr. Cuddles. And then you said, that's a phrase I never thought I'd say ever. <laughs> but it ended up being um, what is uh, one of the top favorite fights that everybody had when you end up battling the mad mage of the mare you got down into his basement and blue jars of elemental chaos were broken and ended up all over the floor and the mists of chaos um, permeated the room as you're having this fight with him so everybody had to roll on the wild magic table with every single action they took and so just crazy things were going off was was that your uh, was that up in the the top favorite fights that you had Absolutely. Yeah. I like, I loved that so much that I actually like, um, in my own, in the game that I run with my family, um, I have them, they're tricked by a fey trickster. They're like in a pact with him. So he follows them around and just messes with them and they have to roll on the wild magic table. Like I, I found some homebrew ones that were mm -hmm, like specific mm -hmm. to classes, but having that like random element, like I loved that so much from this game that I ended up like taking it oh, and, and using it as like a key thing for, for my game. Nice. You were able to build on that. So that's fun. Yeah. Right? And uh, then, well, the, the most fun uh, or most uh, interesting role there was Owen's last role where he rolled the magic missiles and that actually ended up taking out the mad mage. And, uh, but that wasn't the end of Owen's backstory. Although once again, we're jumping forward again, but, uh, anyways, then you went down to the Delta and you made your way to the old castle through a whole bunch of different encounters and you end up in the old giant palace that just, you know, even in its ruin, just put anything in the modern world to shame. And you got in there and there was nothing just bare walls stains where things used to be and i remember you saying as it stands out very clearly in my mind it's like this can't have been a wasted trip yeah and of course it wasn't because you had to get um into uh the the next wing of it which uh ended up being an interesting thing itself but before you got there adri's well not backstory but secret was revealed because you ended up they sent you in first because you were the sneaky one and you went across the um, the broken bridge and it ended up the log rolled and tossed you into the water. And then um, you ended up uh, having all your makeup wash off and all of a sudden it was apparent to the rest of the party that you were not a half elf, but a half drow. And um, that caused immediate friction in the party. Um, because you had two half elves who, and I actually had to sit down with Bryce and Owen, you know, leading up to this, you know, them not knowing what was going to happen and actually counsel them. It's like your elven parents would have basically filled your ears with how evil the drow are and how bad they are. So this would come as a huge shock to you. And, um, I thought they did a pretty good job and you, you tell they didn't it's like, no, this is my friend. I don't want to do this, but you could tell that uh, they were you know pushing back against this, but they, they did a good job of, of role-playing their characters, but you did an even better job because just on the fly, you, you made this really impassioned plea to trust, uh, trust you like, you know, 
they had trusted you all this way in these many, many months that we'd been together. And um, so then uh, they decided to uh, you know hold together, but there was definitely a point of contention amongst the party for some time after that. Uh, yeah. And so how, how did you feel when, when your super secret secret was revealed? It, I mean, it definitely, it happened so, so abruptly. Like I felt like I didn't have a chance to prepare for it, which I thought was the best way to do it. Honestly, was like, not wait till I could reveal it myself, but just like throw me into that situation, which was, it was, it was cool. I, I appreciated that at the time, super annoying and freaky, but like having, being able to like have that like any at any moment like the world's gonna throw something at you so you got to be able to react to it um it was it was pretty cool i like as stressed as i was i was still like this is fun yeah and like i said you had an absolutely wonderful ad lib plea to them to, to, to trust you as they had trusted you before um and so it was really really great heartfelt moment in the uh in the, the entire series um but then we got in there and found out adri's true secret she can't get through windows yeah, that was that was really heartbreaking to reveal. <laughs> well, it was even more hilarious. Well, and actually going behind the scenes, there was actually an underwater secret passage from oh, no. from the 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 um Seneschal's meeting room to this wing that uh well it wasn't underwater at the time, but you know, intervening millennia had become filled with water. And you were supposed to swim under that, but you didn't. You went outside and so uh, um Owen wanted to use Mage Hand to open the window up, and I'm like, it probably is against the rules, but it's such a cool idea. Okay, let's go with it. So we let him do that, and then y'all boosted the squishy through the window yeah. to be attacked by everything in there. Um, and actually, That's it was smart. It was, it was like, let's put let's put the one with the least hit points and the worst armor class through the window first, and if he lives, it's safe for the rest of us. Um, but uh, then it was it was just a comedy of errors. You kept rolling terribly on the um rolls to get through the window um ridiculous you know bryce his character alistair got in there immediately got wrapped up in the rug and he's one of the strength characters should have been able to get out of the rug easy but kept rolling terribly uh thankfully no one got in there so there was something else for the uh flying swords to cuisinart and chase him around the room so they didn't all go after arlen uh but uh, in the end it all came out okay and uh, you, none, none of you died almost. And uh, you worked your way into this still standing wing of the thing past uh, fluffy ca- cats that still were alive. And uh, you found a room with the, a set of magic items and old armory. And then you ended up going and meeting the first or the last queen of the old kingdom. And so she'd been apparently sitting in a magic circle for a thousand years waiting for you all to arrive. So what what was what was your feeling when that interesting thing happened? I yeah, that was that was pretty cool. I liked that a lot. I liked that it was like um the it it added so much more depth, you know? Like um there's there's more to this than just like what's happening now. Like we're part of some like really big long-winded plan um and you're like, "Okay, this is going to be a campaign." Yep. Like it was it was pretty cool. Yeah, there, there, there is a history here and a world mm-hmm. before we arrived on the scene to, to maneuver it around. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so you, you did get, um, you did get the name of the foe, 
And of course, you all immediately just sat down with the bowl and 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 scryed on the foe, right? Yeah. Uh, no, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> it was. No, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, no, that was no. It wasn't until you went up to the elves and you met with people from your um from you know the the outside world or the past in in the moon ceremony that, or moon festival that uh, Galchabar showed up and and whacked Arlen in the back of the head and <laughs> told him, you're supposed to use the bowl. That was the whole idea of me giving you the bowl. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that was, it was like four or five episodes of me grinding my teeth going, okay, they're going to use the bowl. No, no, no. How about now? No, how about now? No, no, no. Okay. No. Okay. Um, although I, I got to admit you were all were, were pretty busy there for a while. Um, you know, as you went North, um, so you got that, but you also got the tiara off her head, which Adria has kept and, uh, will, I guess probably be, uh, the, uh, Royal Tiara of uh, the new Baron uh, Baroness when she takes over an Excalibur Police. But once again, we're yeah. jumping forward again. Yeah. <laughs> so um, you all went down um, to uh, the coast on the way out and crossed a fishing shack where you helped a Selkie get free from uh, the guy who was captive, ca held her captive. Um, and um, then you were heading north and you heard a cry for help and found a gal named Orlana who is being menaced by harpies in a in a pit of quicksand and you were able to save Orlana from a certain doom there and it turned out that she was another one of these experiments by the mad mage and uh, was you know just like Arlen was and had a tendency to uh, go with crazy magics every once in a while um, and what was your feelings about Orlana? I remember being kind of like excited that we had like another traveler like someone who was going to come with us um yeah it, it was cool because we we had like a this instead of just being the party traveling around the world and encountering things it was like now we have someone constantly with us which it just like added another layer of like responsibility yeah i guess and, and she was kind of an inconvenience too which i think graded on some of the party members but apparently not on yeah because there were lots because she was she was kind of dumb like she yeah. would like get right in the way and like not like she would want to help but like, she was so squishy. Like she was squishier than Arlen at that point. So it was like a lot of like, ah, we gotta, we gotta protect her too now. Yep. Um, and yeah, and, was, and that was, was exactly was... what she was supposed to do. She was supposed to yeah. be kind of an, an inconvenience, you know, getting in your way constantly and all that stuff. So, so you know, worked as designed, as they say. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so you wade your way up to the elves there, and then you um actually what was your feeling about meeting the elves i mean obviously as a drow you would you're probably actually not probably you were on the edge of your seat wor worrying that they were going to discover your secret but at the same time what did you think about meeting the elves there and especially elven royalty eventually yeah that was it was pretty cool um because we'd already met like the um like the half a lot of the half elves and humans at that point so like mm -hmm. seeing the kind of contrast there like the city that we'd experienced and then being able to see like this other civilization i mean they're more wound in nature but they're their own mm -hmm. it's sort of civilization, society it just, yeah. yeah it was it's cool to see like a different group of people yeah and uh, then they um guided you up to a Lowell's tower and you actually made your way into the tower but the tower was what underground yeah right? it was sunk into yeah. the ground he actually sunk the tower into the ground so you you were climbing down from the top deep deep deeper into the tower and it uh, right from the beginning things were pretty terrible uh the very first room you went into had crucified students that he'd used apparently in some evil ritual 
and just got kept getting worse and worse and worse as you uh, wound your way down deeper into the the tower there um, until you got to the basement and things got really bad. Um, you ended up being in this maze where only two of you could go down any hall. So one of you was always alone being attacked by skeletons. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, the uh, maze disappeared and you end up actually being in the floor of a, 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 a big arena and were, undead were sent in waves to attack you. Um, and all of that turned out to be what? I, that was all like the illusion, yeah, right? Like was, that, that's, that's when we were like, whoa. That's when you found out that, you know, he was actually an illusion uh, master and you had just been stuck in an entire illusion. And then he put you in an even bigger illusion because you all tried to attack him. Well, uh, Drew did, you know, with Gurnville. And he snaps his fingers and you were all put on the endless plane. And it was just yeah, gray was sand in all directions to a little d black horizon. And no matter how far you went in any direction, you ended up, you know, not going anywhere. Yeah. And you that came up, yeah, you came up with the the proper way to get out of it though. You had to kill you, each other. Yeah. Yeah, that sucked. <laughs> and then um interestingly enough though, the the last person that was left alive cuz it came down to you and and, and uh, Alistair at the time. And yeah. uh and Alistair finished you off. And then of course he realizes that he's a paladin, he can't take his own life cuz that would violate his oath. So, yeah. I mean, he literally just walked forever on this on this endless plane um, until finally, um, you basically, it, it drove him crazy and, and he, he uh, killed himself. And then you woke up and found out that you'd been missing for like three days and the elves had finally gone to look for you. And so you'd been stuck in these illusions for like three days. So Yeah. Um, that was interesting also because uh, in the middle of that arena fight is when we rolled like a epic number of nat ones in one encounter. That was hilarious. <laughs> But anyways, you made it back to the elves and had the moon festival and you got to meet, uh, well, each of you got to meet somebody from your past or from the present. Um, and it actually expanded um, what was happening um, in the world around. And you got to meet your sister, who you were not real happy about meeting. Because, of yeah. course, you left your entire party, uh, or not party, but your entire family um, in the Underdark to get away from uh, the, uh, the whole Drowish culture yeah yeah that was that was bummy and also like at that point i was like oh man now i now my backstory is coming to the forefront so yeah. not just like the the deep dark secret but like the actual people involved too mm -hmm. yeah it wasn't just something that you put on a piece of paper it was actually going to have an impact on yeah. the world um and, and on your uh your character's existence yeah and anyway so then you uh finally used the bowl and got some directions and had to go into Kalesque to go because you realized that one of the first place you had to go to was the Clouded Oasis. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you went into Kalesque, the nearest big town. And um, when you were in line trying to hire out a ship, um, then uh, Bryce's backstory started to come out because he ended up right behind somebody called Kent, who identified him as someone called Cotter. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And um, that was hilarious because, you know, at, at you know he played it off as, oh, it's just mistaken identity, which Kent bought. But none of you did because I remember Drew, uh, you know, after the, that particular encounter was done, just turning to Bryce and going, you are the worst liar ever. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And yeah, did, did that uh, peak up any interest in you or anything? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I was like, OK, so. But yeah, I, I, that definitely it peaked my ears up because I was like. 
now we have multiple backstories affecting the world so yeah it was um especially because i was like well cotter judged me for hiding who i was yeah like real hard or what yeah alistair at that point yeah um and oh but look who's a total hypocrite like that that was kind of good um, and then something uh, other interesting happened there. Um, after that happened, all of a sudden you heard a voice from behind you is going, there you are. I've been looking for you forever. And uh, you turn around and there's Dania. And I, and I remember yeah. when, when that happened, you, you, you know, when, when she said that, you went, it's, hey, is that, is that? And um, you, you're obviously pretty, pretty happy to, uh, to uh, see her uh, returning there. But that was also yeah, the first, yeah, <laughs> the first uh, that uh, you guys realized that, NPCs, you know, would be returning to the storyline. They weren't just throwaway characters that you would, you know, meet and then pass like ships in the night. Yeah. And, and of course, you would meet her numbers of times. So yeah. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, and so were you pleased to see her again? Yeah, yeah, it was cool. Kind of had to got to build a relationship with an NPC, kind of like we were with uh, Galchabar, but mm-hmm. like he was, he's kind of a group patron, so that yeah. didn't quite have the same approach yeah same feel to it yeah so anyway yeah. she took you out to the clouded oasis and once again we have an illusion in this case covering the stairs down and you end up going down to a uh, sunken town under the mare buried in the in the sands of the mare and it turns out it was an entire dungeon of traps just one trap after another after you got uh, out of the the uh, top part there that had, still had a bunch of undead in it and um, how how did you like an entire dungeon full of traps? It was it was interesting because you can't fight traps, so it oh, was no. it was yeah. quite a bit different than what we'd encountered before. And part of that was just that. I mean, when I was design you know designing this whole thing up, I was like, we just did a dungeon crawl, you know, with the uh, the sunken tower. I mean, another dungeon crawl would be kind of anticlimactic. So how about a dungeon full yeah. of traps? And uh, so you, uh, you, and actually it was kind of fun. This is where um, Adri's newfound uh, sneaking skills with the shadow melding and stuff like that came to the fore because you're able to jump ahead and check for traps and things like that. And, and Yeah, that uh, was fun. Actually, it was really fun when you, when you got to the uh, gelatinous cube trap with the uh, rope dangling over the uh, pit full of spikes. And you're like, oh, there's the trap. It's a rope full of pit yeah. full of spikes. And so... Um, <laughs> Arlen Misty stepped across, you shadow stepped across, um, and then no one got about halfway across, and then the rope started dissolving because it turns out that the the pit wasn't empty; it was full of gelatinous cubes. And yeah, so now, super it, fun. Yeah, now the dungeon master's like, woohoo! I've got a party a split, one half on one side, one half on the other, and two gelatinous cubes to go after them. So that worked out better than I even thought. Uh, but anyway, so this this one though had the what people say was the f- most favorite fight in all five years and that was the obsidian wall fight and you went by this polished wall of obsidian and you could see your f- reflection except there were evil reflections you could tell because they had goatees which on Adri <laughs> was quite interesting and um, then they stepped out of the wall and attacked you and that was really hilarious to begin with because you, you all were like going to sandbag it and then Bryce is like I'm going to hit myself in the head and, uh, and actually, I think it was when his character, his evil character actually went after Noan that everybody kicked off and like, oh, yeah, we can have fun with this. We can we can be our evil selves and attack our regular selves. Yeah. And, and uh, so that that one I was, was that one of your favorite fights or uh, was that even it up was, there? It was definitely like the mo- one of the most memorable ones. Like I remember as as a fight, like I remember it being 
difficult because like we were using our character sheets to fight our character sheets basically yeah. right so yeah. it was it was frustrating as a fight but like as in terms of like uniqueness it was it was pretty cool yeah, and originally I was gonna just run the NPCs or the you know the the evil players myself, and I'm like, wait, what am I doing? These people are the yeah. experts in the characters; they should run the the evil NPCs. So, <laughs> so that was kind of fun. Um, anyways, and then um, you guys made it through the whole thing, and you got chased back down by a rolling ball of stone, which I don't know if you got if everyone caught on. Uh, basically, you had just gone through the uh, um, temple from Raiders of the Lost Ark in the beginning. Yeah. You had all the same traps. Uh, but then once again, that just turned out to be illusions because that's what uh, Alowal does. And then you worked your way back up and down comes Nissian and down comes Dania. Um, and uh, they t t let you know that there's a dragon sitting on your ship. So what were you thinking when you when you found out there's a dragon sitting on your ship? I, I was like, oh, great. Cool. Not dead. <laughs> Yeah, so you, did you think it was the black again? Snow yeah, I figured back? it. I I mean, I don't think at the time that I mm -hmm. like was because you already run into it. Snoot twice. Yeah, did we? We'd run into it because you you had him as a little whelp, and then he jumped you again down on the way down to the That's uh, right. the you know in the uh, the tropical area down there. That's that's right. Yeah. So yeah, I remember just I don't I don't know. It was just like again again with this guy. Yeah. But it's not gonna leave me alone. But it turned out to be Loquax, the the brass, the very lonely brass dragon. Yeah. And um, then, and actually, that was interesting because um, when y'all weren't looking, there was a, a little tryst between her and your resident dragonborn there with Gernval. Yeah, and, that was that was pretty good. And you didn't all know about it. the only person that knew about it was um, Arlen, who spotted her coming out of his room in the morning, and he didn't mention it to anybody. So I remember you know, once again, jumping way forward, you get up to um, the uh, Dragonborn area and he announces that, uh, you know, she's his mate and, and all this. And, and I remember you saying, did, did, did we miss something? <laughs> did something happen that we weren't aware of? Yeah. It's like, yeah, actually there was. So, uh, but that's when that happened. And then you made your way back to Porta Magnum after getting, you know, trying to figure out how to destroy the phylactery that you had gotten down there in, in the Temple of Doom. And um, that's when... Our, our Alistair's backstory came out and it turns out he's actually someone named Cotter. A, uh, a girl wrapped in chiffon wraps herself around him and shouting Cotter and then drags you back to this palatial mansion that uh, they're in the first circle of Porta Magnum. Um, and uh, so what, what was going through your mind when all that happened? All of a sudden it turns out that your penny, penniless paladin is actually fabulously wealthy. Well, I, I guess it was like, I wish you would have told us that sooner. At least the money part. Dang. Like, we've been living on scraps here, bud. Like, <laughs> could have had some nice stuff. Although it turned out when you got there that they weren't doing all that much better at that point in time. Yeah. They had been yeah. under some poor management for a while. Um, and actually, um, you end up having to uh, go and solve the problem of the plague in, in Porta Magnum uh, because of that. And, you know, it had taken um his cotter's older brother and uh uh because of that uh you know the the uh, you guys were asked to go and solve the problem of the plague so you went looking all over porta magnum trying to figure out what was causing this plague and, and it was actually a pretty horrific plague i remember we went down to the plague tents and like some guy rolled out of his his bed and his blackened arms just snapped right off 
And I remember make you making a an ooh noise at that. And uh, yeah. so you went looking through the uh, the town, and you actually went off on some crazy tangents trying to figure out you know brainstorming ideas on what it might be, but they all turn out for not. And um, it up until you got to a dinner with uh, Cotter's family, and, and you were trying to you know you knew that his brother had. Uh, been claimed by this plague and you trying to figure it out and and uh, the one thing that connected him is that he liked rye bread which was something that the peasants ate not the not the uh, landed gentry they had you know nice wonderful white bread mm-hmm. and um then it turned out to be the fact that there was a fungal infection in the in the grain that mainly affected the rye grains and it was kind of fun because Adri was the one that actually made the high roll to find it, which makes so much sense because, of course, a drow would know all about fungus from under the Underdark. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. So then you had to go and uh, cure that problem and then get back to saving the world. Um, and um, that's when Gernval went crazy. Um, well, actually, he'd been going crazy for a while. The, the The first time he did that was back in the elves. And if he at one of the feasts, he went running out and assaulted one of the rangers. And when uh, you finally cornered him, he uh, um, basically uh, said, I, I didn't do any of that. And I, and some of the players remember um, your interaction with them, where you were actually like looking over his character sheet and saying, dude, you're lawful good. You shouldn't be acting like this. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, it really came to a head when you got there to Porta Magnum and he ended up chasing Arlen all the way through the house, trying to get the bowl from him to use. And the entire lot of you had to go and subdue him and actually ended up being Orlana summoning a unicorn to stand on him that uh, did it. But uh, what was what was your feeling with uh, the backstory of Creval starting to come out and him acting crazy like that? I, I guess it was because like at that point we knew how tough he was as a character and i think like having him be maybe someone we have to fight was what that felt like that was kind of like oh that sucks also um yeah he's he's like one of our the major reasons we don't die in combat right now so if he's not with us that's kind of bad for a lot of reasons or even worse fighting against you yeah yeah um but yeah at that point in time i think i thought it had kind of run its course and it was getting to be the point where it was now kind of on the backside and becoming annoying but so um luckily though that's when his thing came out and turned out that he was having flashes of insight of of being somebody else and you had to take him up to the mountains to see the dragonborn um in order to not die and so you had to run yeah. up there before you could have you know run back down for cotter's wedding and um a lot of people uh say that this was their favorite backstory reveal what wh- where was this on your list of all the backstory reveals you've had arlen's and cotter's and this one now I think, I mean, I like, that's going to sound like a cop-out response, but I really, I liked them all for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, because everything added a new level to the whole world. Like every, all of us had had influence on the world before we were even playing these characters. Like our characters already had influenced the world. So it was kind of, I don't know. I did like uh, his whole reveal though, just because it added like, this whole new culture and stuff mm-hmm. too. And, and that's what everyone um, was saying. Yeah. There's a whole yeah, which, that was deep really culture neat. of, of the dragonborn that you got to find out about. You had no idea it even existed. So, 
Yeah. And I mean, I guess similarly to um, like Orlana was like kind of this piece of Arlen that Arlen's past that kind mm-hmm. of was following us around because she had hurt the same magic issue. Yeah. Um, and then Cotter, we got to continue to interact with his kind of branch of the world because of his family. Um, and then now we kind of get to do the same thing with um, Creval because this whole other civilization that mm-hmm. we kind of didn't know about. Yeah, and we we started calling him Creval here, and that's because his name actually was Creval. It wasn't Gernval, and in fact, he wasn't actually a uh, a fighter. He was a barbarian. So yeah, uh, th- you know, th- there was a whole bunch of reveals there, which actually was pretty hilarious because when um, the barbarian part came out during the big fight up there for uh, dominance over the the dragonborn um we get to the point where he, he goes into a rage and i said could you bring out your reg- your uh your real character sheet and bryce was sitting next to him at the table and his he just his face just kind of you know shock surprise and then he just gets this kind of um cringy look on his face and he he realized he's been out secreted by drew you know he thought yeah. he, he thought he was the only one with the super secret backstory you know with the uh the hidden palette in there and nope it turns out that drew had an even bigger surprise waiting yeah <laughs> and uh, anyway so the uh, creval had his wedding cutter at his wedding you had to go looking for the next um phylactery which was at the frozen waterfall where you found the uh, summer home was actually behind a, a frozen waterfall and you had to fight the remoras and i remember that one being a real tough fight for no one because he was right up in the front and of course no, remoras do damage to you when you damage them yeah. And of course, a monk kind of nickels and dimes you to death with multiple smaller strikes. Uh, so I, I can remember Noan pausing at one point, realizing that the math was now against him. I don't, was that fight so difficult for you, or are you mainly at distance at that point in time? Um, I don't think I'd had a bow at that point. So I, I feel like, yeah, but I feel like I must have. Yeah, I think I was more distance at that point. I must have had a bow because I don't remember taking damage like he did during that fight. Yeah. And uh, then um, you uh, got the phylactery, got it back, got it destroyed. And then you had to go off to Faramons. And that's when Orlana died. She sacrificed herself, blowing herself up to save you from an entire horde of undead. And what was what was your feeling when Orlana died? Oh, that sucked. I got attached. Yeah. So that was, that hurt. It seemed like some of the other players were kind of almost gleeful that she died was was that at all annoying yeah i thought i mean it was a little distasteful <laughs> yeah well i i know uh owen in, in his interview said that um it actually kept him from being able to properly grieve for her death so that was very interesting yeah but anyway so um you uh made it to pheromons for the first time and you met the cousin to the Baron. And, and at the time, the Baron was, you know, threatening war on, on Porta Magnum for reasons that didn't seem to make any sense. Mm-hmm. And you were all trying to keep him from doing that. And the cousin drags you up to the Pepperfields um, and asks you to help her depose her cousin, the Baron, because he wasn't who he said he was. And what was your feeling when you had another cousin ask you to, to basically do a coup on, on their cousin? It was like more of this, really? Like, are we just going to keep doing this forever? Yeah. And, and, the deep, and the deep distrust for the dungeon master at this point in time. <laughs> for sure. But it turned out that she was actually correct that this was um, not, in fact, her, her cousin, but someone in disguise. And it turned out to be what? Oh, what? I don't remember. The succubus. That's right. Yes. That's right. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so um, you were able to, to get the succubus to flee, and she's still out there somewhere, so who knows what that means. Um, but, um, you know, who knows if that's going to come back and get you later on. Actually, it did come back and get uh, no one later on because he was using deadly force on the guards, and then yeah. one of the guards' uh, children went and tried to assassinate him later on. So that was that was interesting. And then um, it you uh, end up... Um, having to look for the high tinker of uh, the gnomes because he apparently had pledged himself to an old god and he had a giant um, chaotic flesh uh, creature that he was riding around in and you all had to form Voltron to take him on. And that That was was a comedy of errors. Yeah. Because, you know, somehow or other, everybody ended up in the wrong vehicle. The the dex people end up in the strength vehicles and vice versa. So Was, was that fun though to be Voltron for a while? That was pretty funny. Yeah. yeah I, I appreciated that. And anyways, so you um, got to make your way back over to Lowford and see the town since, you know, for the first time since you left it after all, all these months and, and see the damage that had been done in your absence. But then you got to meet Arlen's family since he's yeah. from that area. And how was that? That was pretty cute. I liked that. They were so sweet. Tur- turns out he's even more wholesome than we thought. And uh, yeah. especially him and his favorite cow. <laughs> Um, but then we had one of the seminal moments for you. You headed back down towards the uh, Delta and you ran into Snoot again. But this time Snoot was on a mission and he ended up chasing you all around the battlefield, pretty much ignoring the others um, until actually Adri was killed by him. He just landed on her and uh, did two uh, uh, death saving throws worth of damage. And I, you know, said that you had died. I remember at the end of the episode, it was almost un, um, unhearable in, in the noise there at the end of the episode. And you just, you saying, I think I might cry. Yeah, I was so upset. I was like, there's no way like that any of us could die. But also, why am I the first one? <laughs> but it turned out that, um, you know, I had mentioned a couple of times and I don't think anyone even really registered or took it seriously that you guys had a one get out of jail free card. Um, and so the, I kind of already had this in the, in the works that it, whoever was to go down first, Cotter was going to meet with his God and the God was going to give him a choice to switch places. And, you know, he you know, sacrificed himself in, in, in exchange for the other person, which was really just a test of faith by, by Dianect. But uh, yeah. so he, he did that after a, a lot of contemplation and then, uh, although actually Bryce said he, he, um, cause you know, he just promised his, his new newlywed wife that he was definitely coming back, but then he reread his oath and he said, Oh no, a paladin would 100% uh, make that, that bargain. But once again, it was just a test of faith, but Adri just popped back up hundred percent as if nothing had happened. So what, what was your feeling there when, um, all of a sudden it's like you, uh, you know, you, you've died in one episode. I sent everybody out of the room. You came back in, we restarted the combat and Adri's just fine. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that definitely was the, um, the end of like the conflict between yeah. the two of them, which was pretty cool. Like I, I knew like that we had that get out of jail or, I mean, I didn't know at the time, but like, I understood that that could have happened with any character. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Any character could have had that happen to them. But the fact that it was, it was my character was it, it, 
was cool. Like it made a lot of story sense too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, it, like I said, it kind of smoothed all, over a lot of the um, conflict with the group. I, I, I remember um, even no one giving uh, Cotter when, when it came, when you know, Cotter admitted to what he had done or what had happened mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, uh, no gave him kind of the Robert Redford nod. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, things, things that really kind of brought the whole group together, which was interesting. And, and like I said, it could happen with anybody, but just the way it worked out. So then you went off the coast looking for the next phylactery on the island that's a spire in the middle of the ocean, and you met your very favorite NPC of all time, the Great Hunter. Oh, God, I hated that guy. Yeah, so did everyone else, which, once again, (laughs) might have been by design. Um, But yeah, that seemed to be everybody's least favorite NPC. Um, And once again, maybe by design. Uh, And So you say. Yeah. Um, And... um, then you made your way into the um, castle of the Storm King, the storm uh, giant that rules the island and used to rule the seas. Uh, you know, he basically was was the uh, the uh, potentate that you had to appease to uh, sail, you know, safely on the seas, but had fallen into a deep, deep depression since uh, people had stopped sailing around. You know, the, no, you were no longer uh, using the the seas to go back and forth and. It was really interesting because Matt had the presence of mind to basically kind of reach a hand out to him and invite him to come outside with you all and see that the world wasn't as dark as, as he thought it was. Um, what, what did you think about that particular encounter? Because uh, there's been some various interesting takes on it that people had. It was pretty neat. Um, yeah, it was just more of that like adding complexity to everybody yeah. which i appreciated yeah so it was it was really neat that actually no one was the one that that reached out but then you got yeah. in the big fight in the basement there with the beholder yeah that was just it was a lot <laughs> well the interesting thing was and i don't know if people listening at home actually kind of realized it but the, the lot of you rolled about three different roles that mm-hmm. were like one or two points away from failure um, in fact, like no one, like twice, I mean, he, he rolled one point or two points above the death ray and then also above the petrification ray. So he almost like got fried and turned to stone. And mm-hmm. of course, at the end, there was Arlen did get hit by disintegration ray. And the only reason he didn't die was he had that periaptive wound closure. Yeah. And, and then you had to go find him because he turned invisible because of the wild magic. So you had to like pat around on the earth until you end up running into him. And then you could bind his wounds and save him from dying. That was a yeah. real close one. So it, it actually seemed like a capewalk from the outside. But then when you start looking at the dice rolls, you guys really kind of came close to dying. Several of you. Yeah. You know, maybe even three characters. Yeah, that was pretty rough. Um, but then uh, you got back to there and then we had to go and have your backstory come out. The, the mm-hmm. next of the phylacteries was down deep in the Underdark. And so we had to go explore Adri's world. And how did you like your backstory coming out there? It was pretty cool. I got, I mean, like I had, I hadn't shot out to that detail. So it was kind of cool to interact with the story that way. Because um, I, I, I mean, I didn't know that the siblings had like personalities. I just knew I had them. So like having that, that bit um, 
added to it was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, as, um, as I told everybody, it's like you all gave me your backstories, but then once it's in my hands, it's mine to do yeah, with. So totally, I got to got to flesh them all out and make interesting things happen. Although that being said, this was one of the areas of that great collaboration between the players and the dungeon master, because as we were headed down there, you kind of sent me a message and said basically that you didn't want the drow to be just this kind of monoculture that you wanted there to be um you know basically good drow as well as bad drow and i'm like hmm that's a really good idea let's let's follow up on that and there was actually a a, a group of rebel drow which one of them turned out to be your sister and it turns out there's this whole resistance the the trouble just being that there's you know basically the uh, whole drow culture is one giant police state so yeah trying to be a rebel that against that so is fun difficult but uh, so how how did you like all of that in in its in its totality there it was pretty cool i i had a good time with that um kind of the political intrigue stuff was yeah. neat um it was all it sneaky was, sneaky it was fun to kind of yeah for sure yeah you you had to outdraw the draw while you were down there yeah um, yeah one of the big things there though was um your uh betrothed was down there varus and you yeah, ran into him that that was news to me. <laughs> um, well, if you remember, that was the backstory no, it, you gave me. But totally. Uh, but like, I, I, I didn't. It would in head with the backstory. It was, um, like the idea that, yeah, that would eventually happen. Like the idea that I knew I would married and would be the reason that she took off, and the way that you took it and would better because it made more sense that there was like an actual insufferable person that I was betrothed to that I was, that's why I left. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was cool. It was fun to play that. Yeah. And then of course at the end, it turned out that he got turned into a drider for uh, basically yeah. defying Lolth and uh, you know, trying to, trying to act above a station and yell at him having take him out. And I remember when they, the guards poked the drider Varus forward um, you're like, oh, oh, <laughs> Yeah. Just quite a surprise. <laughs> yeah, it was super freaky. Uh, but anyway, so then um, you uh, had to pass through some illithids that nearly killed all of you because none of you are intelligent types. And uh, you got all involved in the Excalibarium Calice War because half of you had to go and help uh, uh, Arlen not blow up. And half of you had to be in the war. And your tabaxi halves got to help out with the other half there. And you actually helped... Um, Owen not blow up and ended up going and actually you ran into the enclave that your sister was sent to the where the expatriate drow live and how how was that fun how was that fun for you having you know gone through your backstory and now seeing where the the expatriate drow were yeah that was that was really neat it was kind of like um I don't know because then it it really it really affected the world. So instead of like now I have to be in hiding, it was like well maybe maybe I don't have to be. Yeah. Um, it was it was neat. Yeah. Did was there ever any pull to come back there instead of being the uh, Baroness going forward? Uh, not really. Okay. I don't. I it didn't seem like something that that fit with Adri. It didn't yeah. seem like she would want to to go. I mean, the idea of being able to live like a settled life seems cool, but mm -hmm. like that's that's the whole reason she left her home in the first place is the idea of having to be stuck yeah. in one position was just completely not within what she wanted. So even though it would be with her people and they escaped just like she did, the whole reason she escaped was so that she didn't have to stay in one place. Yeah. So yeah. 
Very good. And uh, we're jumping ahead a little bit because, yeah, the Excolbarium Colise War happens, and it turns out that the uh, the assembled barons want one of you, the heroes of the realm, to be the new baron of Excolbarium Colise. And when that came up, um, oh, and they said it can't be Cotter because he's got to be the new baron of Porta Magnum. Everybody right. else pretty much put their finger to the nose and said, not it. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, did, do you think that, was there any time that uh, you think that uh, Adri like would have turned that down or was, do you think she was just a shoe in the whole time? I, I think it's a reluctant kind of thing. Like, mm -hmm. um, in, like, especially coming off of just seeing where her people are living on the surface and being like, no, but I can't stay. Like I still have to, to go. Yeah. Um, so the idea that now like, the only person that makes sense that has the ability to stay and be the baron of the city is Adri. So it's like that kind of like, I, I have to do this, not necessarily that I want to, like I'll do a good job and like, I'll mm. be what they need, but sort of that tug and pull of, you it's, know, it's I'm like the, really... the, the dune, you get to see what kind of a leader a person is when it's thrust upon them. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, sort of like Adri has been trying, I mean, going from living as like a noble and like a, a female noble in this matriarchal society, like living mm -hmm. it up and then specifically leaving that because she wanted to be able to do, have the freedom to do whatever she wanted. Um, and then like going to a monastery or ending up in a monastery, which is so like counter to being a noble. Mm -hmm. So different. Yep. Um, and then now like I seem to keep ending up in these like nobility leadership type positions or Adri's having to, to, uh, end up in that position. So it's kind mm -hmm. of a cool thing for her character to be like, well, like, that diplomacy kind of thing that like being a, a hero, quote unquote, is she's good at that, even if she wants to believe that. She yeah, it's <laughs> pretty hilarious. Angus is going nuts behind you there. That's hilarious. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, then you had to go and track down the, the most recent phylactery, maybe the last one. And you went up to the gnome home and uh, how, how did you enjoy the gnome home where you, the first thing you get to when you come in, there's the office of gnome land security. Yeah. Enjoys an interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely like, like, okay, we know we're going to enter silly. Like we're away from serious right now. We're doing silly stuff. Um, so like, yeah, I don't know. It's a nice break from the, uh, more serious stuff that we do i guess yeah it's it's fun for different reasons yeah you, you kind of have to have those little breaks from the serious just to make the serious yeah. more serious and exactly. then then you face the red dragon and it turned out it wasn't the real red dragon there was another one and um so that, that was kind of fun because you know, remember when you slew the uh, younger red dragon who all look at each other going it, it, it can't be that easy that that was way too easy and of course it was yeah. um and then um you ended up uh, then having to go and get a bunch of pegasuses which you thought were gonna be pegasuses did you enjoy the yeah. pegasuses those were great i did love those and then you got up to the cloud the castle in the clouds and that's where no one's backstory came out and what did you mm -hmm. think about no one's backstory come finally coming to the fore five years later oh i thought that was so great um because like the the weird thing about tieflings is like they they're not like a like a race that has a civilization, at least not in this world. They're not mm -hmm. like a, a group of people that has like a city or a stronghold or something. Um, so he's never really had a choice in where he ends up and what he does. 
um, because he's he's judged and he doesn't really belong anywhere. So having that like to to literally fight his demons um, yes. or devils in that case, or in this like, case, middle manager um, to do that, and then like yeah, and to be able to like make this active choice to stay mm-hmm. and good to make like that active decision was was pretty cool. I really liked that arc. It was kind of fun. And it was it was very humbling for him, though, because, you know, once again, like I said, you gave me your backstory six years ago and I wrote up where the backstory was going to come out six yeah. years ago. And yeah. then in the intervening time, you know, every time he's like, oh, my dad's Asmodeus. I'm like, oh, cringe. This is going to be so bad when it finally happens. Yeah. <laughs> and it, he kept he kept making that joke. But it was kind of cool because like the fact that like he didn't have this like huge evil dude as his dad was like kind of kind of humbling for him weirdly like it was it was neat well he kind of built himself up as is you know like being the you know descendant royalty and it turns out no you're descendant of a middle manager yeah one who's looking for a promotion it and i feel like that made no one like so angry that he was able to let go of the anger almost Mm -hmm. like and just be a good person just cast it (laughs) off yeah yeah so good and then uh, making out of there, then uh, you got called by Galchabar, who sent you through five fiery rings. And apparently this is going to send you to places where you can get items that will allow you to survive this last great uh, final battle. And yeah. uh, you, you're just finishing up the one with Arlen. And uh, next we're going to be under Craval. So how, how did you enjoy the first installment of the, the uh, f- fantastic magical item stuff? Oh, that's, this has been great. Cause it feels, cause quite literally like we're doing, we're going off the beaten path. Like we're not, we're leaving the world to go do this stuff, mm-hmm. um, which is just neat. I mean, I don't, I don't know if we're going to do like interdimensional stuff for the other peoples or if it's just portaling us somewhere well, else on the real world. Kavali, you ended up with, on a tropical island that looks like the one oh, that the right. Storm King that's is right. on. Yeah, and that's right. you and, uh, and Noan or Sorzok now. Why they have to give him a name that I can't spell? Uh, Sorzak have ended up back at the monastery, and things don't look good. So yeah, there's going to be some interesting stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for it. Yep, good. Okay, well, that was the last five years, and like I said, um, a lot of fun stuff happened, and a lot of fun stuff yet up to come. But uh, wait for that. We'll have to wait for the next episode. 